Heavenly Father, we come before you. We thank you that you are the one who sits upon the throne. Lord, you are the one who rules not only the church and our lives, but you rule all of creation. Heavenly Father, I pray that we would know and that we would trust and that we would truly believe that you are on the throne because, Lord, when we know that you are on the throne, it changes our perspective on everything. So, Lord, as we look at your word today, give us eyes to see, give us ears to hear, give us hearts to receive, give us humility to receive this, give us faith to receive this. Lord, it is only through you and through your Holy Spirit that we can be liberated from sin and live with confidence, great confidence in you, that you are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And Lord, I know that, that many within our congregation face tribulation and difficulty. Heavenly Father, you know them. You love them. And I pray, Heavenly Father, that that reality would come to the surface in this message today. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Today uh, in our service, our first lesson was from Revelation chapter 7. Revelation's an incredible book in your Bible. In a way, we could probably call it the fifth gospel. It is uh, the gospel of Jesus reigning in heaven, the one who holds all power and authority over all things. Some people are, are uh, frightened by the book of Revelation. It does contain strange apocalyptic imagery. Um, sometimes uh, it, it can be frightening as we uh, look at all or read about all of these strange images, but ultimately revelation is for your hope. It is for your comfort. Revelation is the reminder that God is in the, on the throne and that Christ has conquered all things and that he even holds your future in his hands and that his salvation wins in the end. So today we read from Revelation chapter seven, another incredible image of God on the throne. Do you believe that God is on the throne? Yes. Do you believe it? Because when you trust that God is on the throne, it changes your perspective on everything. Everything changes. But there, there may be some here that don't understand what I'm talking about. They really have no concept of God and what the Bible teaches us about God. We need to understand that God is the triune God and he is king of all creation. And in a number of our hymns, I noticed that we sung, we, we talked about the reality that God is triune. And these songs even pointed us to the reality that he is the Lord, the King, he is in charge of all of creation. I don't know about you, but sometimes I like to go online and I look at, like to uh, look at images of, of space. Uh, it, it just blows my mind when I think of how vast this universe is. And the Hubble telescope, probably about 20 years ago now or longer, took an image of, and, and, it, and it was an image that showed the galaxies of the universe. And they called it something like a, a, outer space's fireworks. And these colorful galaxies. And just to think how vast and how awesome 
creation is, and then to know that God is the one, the God that we worship, the God that we love, and the God that loves us and sent his one and only son is king over this vast universe. It, it boggles our minds to think of how big the universe is, and God is greater than this universe. He is the one who spoke the universe into existence. Out of nothing, God spoke and it came to be. He is the creator and he is the sustainer of this vast universe. So when we talk about God, we need to describe him. And we describe God using his revelation of himself given to us in the Bible. God reveals himself to us in the pages of the Bible. Not only is God triune, one God, eternally existing in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, God is infinite. He is infinite. We can measure many things through science, but nobody can measure how infinite God is. He is infinite. He always has been. He always will be. As we study the scriptures, not only do we learn that God is infinite, we also learn that God is immutable. In other words, he never changes. The Bible says that he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Not only is he triune and infinite and immutable, but he is self-sufficient. He has no needs. He doesn't need you. He doesn't need me. He doesn't need anything in this world or universe that he created. He is completely self-sufficient. God is omnipotent. He is all-powerful. Nothing is out of his control. He is omniscient. He knows all things. God is omnipresent. He's present everywhere at once. He's always everywhere. He's always with you. There's nowhere we can go and hide from God. Some people try to run from God, but it's impossible to run from him. He is triune. He is infinite. He is immutable. He is self-sufficient. He is omnipotent, omnipresent, omniscient, all-knowing. And God is love. He is love. Isn't it amazing that this, this incomprehensible God loves us? He loves us so much that he sent his one and only son into the world for our salvation. I love Revelation because in Revelation... We get a little picture, we, get a, we, we receive a glimpse of who God is. And the Apostle John, who received this revelation, received a glimpse of God. And what we learn in Revelation is that God is on the throne. He is on the throne. His glory, His wisdom, his honor, power, and might are beyond our comprehension. And he loves us. He loves us. Have you heard it lately? 
God loves you. He loves you. I want to give you the ABCs of God's love. The ABCs. A, you are accepted by him. You are accepted by him. Not because of your goodness, not because of your works, not because of your devotion to him. You're accepted by him because he loves you. So you are accepted by him. B, you belong to him. You belong to him. Uh, He's holding on to you. He will never let go of you. And C, you are cared for by him. You are cared for by him. Accepted by him. You belong to him. And you are cared for by him. He is on the throne. Do you believe it? Do you believe it? He loves you. But here's the thing, church. The reality of who God is does not negate the reality of our present tribulation. Remember, the reality of who God is, this infinite, all-powerful, loving God sitting on the throne does not negate the reality of our present tribulation in this life. In other words, God doesn't take away the hard stuff. God actually allows pain and suffering, trials and tribulation into our present lives, but he does this for a good purpose. So as you go through the difficulties in life, remember that he is on the throne and that through all of the difficulties that you face in life, in that he has a good purpose. You see, we have not yet been rescued from this present evil age. We will be rescued from this present evil age when he comes again in glory at his second coming as King of Kings and Lord of Lords to judge the living and the dead. But today we face many tribulations. Jesus said, just before he left his disciples, he said to his disciples, in this world you will have what? Trouble. In this world you will have trouble. But then he said, take heart, for I have overcome the world. We haven't been rescued from this present evil age yet. Today we face many tribulations. I want us to look at Acts chapter 20 today. Acts chapter 20, verses 17 through 35. It'll be on the screen if you didn't bring your Bibles today. And as we read this together, don't forget that what we read in Acts, in the Acts of the Apostle, the Acts of the Holy Spirit is normative, is normative for the Spirit-filled church today. In other words, what we read there ought to be occurring within the church. It's normative for the church today. It may not be normative for dead churches, but for the church, for the church filled with the Spirit, Acts is the norm. So we go to Acts chapter 20, verses 17 through 35. Now from Miletus, he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church to come to him. And when they came to him, 
He said to them, you yourselves know how I lived among you the whole time. From the first day that I set foot in Asia, serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and with trials that happened to me through the plots of the Jews. How I did not shrink from declaring to you everything that was profitable and teaching you in public and from house to house, testifying both to Jews and to Greeks of repentance towards God and of faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. And now behold, I am going to Jerusalem constrained, or really in the Greek, it's, it's bound by the Spirit, not knowing what will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city, listen to this, that imprisonment and afflictions await me. But I do not account my life of any value nor as precious to myself. If only I may finish my course in the ministry that I receive from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. And now behold, I know that none of you, uh, that none of you among whom I have gone about proclaiming the kingdom will see my face again. Therefore, I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all, for I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers, to care for the church of God which he obtained with his own blood. I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock, and from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore, be alert. Remember that for three years I did not cease night or day to admonish everyone with tears. And now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I covet no one's silver or gold or apparel, you yourselves know that these hands ministered to my necessities and to those who were with me. In all things I have shown you that, that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. It is more blessed to give than to receive. Did you notice what... Paul faced in his life as a follower of Jesus Christ. Some of you may believe that, it, that if you follow God more closely, that if you are more devoted to him, then you will not face difficulties or trials and tribulations in your life and that you'll be blessed in every way and that you won't have any problems, you'll never get sick. But the Bible never teaches us that. If we are going to follow Jesus and if we are faithful to him, it means that we will indeed experience trials and tribulations and difficulties in life. And around the world, believers are facing tribulation. And this tribulation comes to them as a direct result of following Jesus. Because they follow Jesus, they experience suffering beyond anything that we could ever imagine. The BBC recently reported that Christian persecution in our world is now reaching genocidal levels. 
It's, it's rampant around the world. Just go online. There's a, a website that I recommend to you. It's called persecution.org. And there you can read the latest stories of how the church around the world is experiencing severe and horrific persecution. I often wonder what would happen to North American Christians? What would happen to us here if our lives were threatened because of our faith and devotion to Jesus Christ? What about you? What if persecution for your devotion to Christ came? What if you were threatened? What if your devotion to Jesus began to affect your life negatively? What if believing in Jesus made it impossible for you to keep your job? To keep your home? To maintain your lifestyle? What if believing in Jesus threatened your safety and your family's safety? This is what's happening around the world. We cannot be ignorant to it. What does devotion to Jesus really mean? What does it include? What did devotion to Jesus mean to Paul and to the early church recorded in Acts? Listen to Paul's words. These sound so strange to our ears. Acts 20, 24, Paul says, But I do not account my life of any value, nor as precious to myself. If, I only, if only I may finish my course in the ministry that I receive from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. How could Paul say this? How could the persecuted church around the world today live this? Paul knew it. And countless Christians around the world this morning know it. They live this way. They live with this level of devotion to Jesus because they know who is on the throne. They know that Christ is on the throne. Revelation 7, 9 through 10. After this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number, from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages. Notice that the church in heaven is multi-ethnic. It's made up of all peoples, of every race, of every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes. So here we have the saints in heaven, clothed in white robes, with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Then we skip to verse 13. Then one of the elders addressed me, saying, 
Who are these clothed in white robes? And where have they come? And I said to him, Sir, you know. And he said to me, These are the ones coming out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes, and they have made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Here's a picture of heaven. Some would say that this is a picture of of the future of those who are persecuted by Antichrist are kept in heaven. Others believe that it speaks of heaven now. That all those throughout the ages that have experienced tribulation are with Jesus. Though they died for their faith, though they suffered greatly, they're with Jesus. They're with him. My friends, the only way we can live devoted to Jesus in the face of persecution and in the face of all difficulty is to know who he is and to know that he is on the throne and that he will take us to be with him where he is even if we suffer for our faith in this life. Therefore, they are before the throne of God, and they serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne, listen to this, will shelter them in his presence. And they shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more. The sun shall not strike them, nor any scorching heat. For the lamb in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd. And he will guide them to springs of living water. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. I pray that you believe and trust that God is on the throne. That you know that he is the triune God who is infinite. He always has been and always will be. That he never changes. That he has no needs. He is all-powerful. He is all-knowing. He is always everywhere, and that he loves you, and that he loves you, that his love is directed towards you like a laser beam right now, and you may say, I I do not deserve love from this great of a God, but his love is directed towards you right now. It's infinite, immeasurable. You're accepted by him, not because you're a wonderful person. I'm sorry to say it, but you're not a wonderful person, and neither am I. His love is directed towards you because of his grace and because of his mercy. We are sinners, loved and accepted by him. We belong to him. He holds us in his hands, and you are cared for by him. He cares for you. It's amazing there are people everywhere that have never really experienced care or love for that matter, true love, love that says, I accept you, you belong to me, and you are cared. But here is this great God in heaven, and his love shines upon us, and he says, I accept you. You belong to me, and you are cared for by me. So know this today. that those in heaven are before the throne of God. 
And one day you'll be before the throne of God. And there they serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne is sheltering them with his presence. They no longer hunger or thirst. The sun isn't striking them, nor any scorching heat. The lamb is in the midst of the throne, and he is their shepherd. And he is guiding them to springs of living water. And he is wiping away every tear from their eyes. The God that is on the throne, that reality, the reality of this almighty God on the throne, remember, it doesn't negate the reality of our present suffering and our present tribulation. But we walk through this life, no matter what we face, knowing who God is, knowing that he is on the throne, and knowing that he loves us. Let us pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you and we praise you that you are on the throne today in the same way the saints in heaven serve you day and night and as they sing your praises, Lord, we also desire to serve you. And we too desire to sing your praises. We desire to lift our voices today in worship. Heavenly Father, we worship because we have been liberated by you. The reality of your kingship, the reality that the king sent his son from the throne into our world to save us, liberates us, opens our mouths so that we can sing your praises today. And Lord, I do pray for those who are present here. If any are in need of your touch today, of your healing and of your strength, if any need to remember how much they are loved by you, I pray that you would minister to them in that way today. Minister to them through us, your church. Lord, I pray that nobody would ever leave this place without knowing who you are and what you have done, and the great love that you have shown us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you